God's word be a blessing to us. Let's ask for that very thing. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray that your spirit who inspired your word, that he may also illumine our hearts so that we might see the truths of your word, hear them with ears to hear, eyes, uh, eyes to see, and then, Lord, to respond as you called us to uh, with hearts opened by your spirit so that you might be exalted and we might look at the world through the word of God and look at ourselves, Lord, through that very word and hear gospel that calls us to a life of praise to you. We'd ask that you'd hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 23 tonight. And there's much, much that we could actually glean from that portion, but we're using it to shed light on what it is that we confess as the Church of Jesus Christ tonight. And looking at uh, Article 2 out of the Belgian Confession, as we continue our series there on that confession that we hold, a witness that was put out, written by Guido de Bray years and years, centuries ago, uh, to show to the world what it is that we confess as a Reformed Church. So we're going to be looking at page 70 in the back of the hymnal to take a look at Article 2. We're going to look first of all at the Word of God at Acts chapter 14 and read through from 8 to 23. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upon upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul had, what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news. That you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness, even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, 
with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. We thank God for that portion of his word. We take a moment also to consider Article 2 out of the Belgian Confession in page, on page 70, the second article there. We know him by two means, that is, of God, of course. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, which is before our eyes as a most elegant book, wherein all creatures, great and small, are as so many characters leading us to see clearly the invisible things of God, even his everlasting power and divinity, as the Apostle Paul says. All which things are sufficient to convince men and leave them without excuse. Second, he makes himself more clearly and fully known to us by his holy and divine word, that is to say, as far as is necessary for us to know in this life, to his glory and our salvation. May God's word be indeed a blessing to us this evening. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you're like me, uh, and some of you know that about, <laughs> about me, that there are times when I misplace things. Uh, it could be my keys or something else that I consider important, and maybe you have some of those issues as well sometimes. Uh, sometimes when we find what we've been looking for, we said, how in the world did that ever get there? And then there's other times that we have to admit that it's not always in that hard-to-find place. Sometimes what we're looking for is right in front of us. And I have to admit, I've even had times when I'm looking for something, I'll confess that, where it's already in my hand. But I'm in such a rush sometimes that I don't think about that. It's right before me. And here I am looking for things that are, you'd say, that's obvious. It's right there. Can't you see it? I just haven't focused on it. In fact, it, it, it takes sometimes somebody else to tell me about it. It's right there. You've got it in your hand. Right? Or it's right on the table, or it's right on the counter, or, or did you check your pockets? Right? Sometimes... What we don't see is right in front of us all along. But when it, comes, and when it comes to the God that we're called to confess and that the world is called to confess, you can come away with the impression that the God that exists is a God that's hiding himself. Like some hard-to-find set of keys. Learned and, and not-so-learned people think that it's, it's odd, it's absurd to believe that there's a God that created, preserves, and governs this world. And yet it's not so much that they don't believe there's a God, but rather that they don't believe in the God who actually did create, and actually does preserve, and actually does govern this world. Because everybody, regardless of what people say, believe in some sort of God. And this evening we... We focus on that good witness of the Lord, both in creation and his word, both of which are found in our passage today. And it will remind us of that good witness of God and also about the, the ways in which people obscure that simply because they're not listening to the word of God. So we, we see God's good witness in the world. We see it in his word. And that's what we're looking at this evening. It includes his witness in the world. 
that he's created and that he continues to preserve and govern as we confess. The Apostle Paul says to the people of Lystra that the Lord has not left himself without testimony. He's the one who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them, in them, and you've even benefited from it, and you don't even realize it. And yet we know that in one way or another, people prefer to live as if God has nothing to do with this world, or if he does, just in certain compartments, or that he doesn't exist at all. We know that instead of testifying that the earth is the Lord's, many people would rather testify that today that the earth is the Lord. They take this pantheistic approach, right? This many-God approach, and they deify the earth, and they make the earth the focus. And it's a, a person's purpose in life, ironically, is even though they try to they deify the creation, they feel like they have to save it. As if the creature has come to save its world, which it deifies. And so that becomes their purpose for life. Others will sing songs about chance and, and fate as the reason for living and the reason for loving, which, which superficially sounds artistic as you hear those songs. But in reality, lowers life and lowers love to nothing more than chance experiences, chance encounters, chance rendezvous. And that leaves you then really with no real purpose, no real design, no, no precepts or principles behind any of them. Others, of course, will not speak of creation at all, at all. just they'll speak of nature or Mother Nature, as if creation is somehow self-existing and self-governing. So that if a storm brews, or a, a blizzard breaks out, or a tropical cyclone on the East Coast occurs, like has happened just of late again, uh, these are seen as, as nothing more than a, a lesson to us that we cannot compete or beat Mother Nature. And that's it. Rather than standing in awe of the God who's... And we sang about that, right? In, in the first song we sang. We stand in awe of the God who displays His sovereignty in all of this and might in, in the snow that falls or the, the blizzard that way that, that may come or the cyclone that comes in and, and brings about stormy gales and, and stormy winds that way and rains and lightning and the like, or even in the beating of the heat of summer. But he shows his, his preservation of the world by, by giving rain from heaven and, and crops in their seasons like these people in Lystra come to hear from the Word of God, how he provides plenty of food and he fills hearts with joy. And yet every morning when we wake up and we open our eyes, we're, we're surrounded with that continuing testimony. Everywhere we look. When we see in the winter, when the snow piles, we see the God of creation, the hand of God at work. 
when we feel that winter's cold blast, we see the hand of God at work. When the warming sun has come and, and has allowed us to see the crops grow and, and as it melts snows and as the rains come, uh, we will see and we do see the hand of God at work. And soon, as the evening comes around again, after all we've seen and, and the moon and the stars shine, we see the hand of God at work. The air we breathe, the trees, the mountains, the plains, the sea, and all that is in them all, we see the hand of God at work. And yet for many it will be a testimony, the clear, that eludes them. Like having the keys sitting on the table, or maybe even in one's hand. And yet you fail to recognize they're there. It's as clear as the hand in front of your face, and yet the testimony is given to eyes that are blind to read it and ears stop to hear it. God has not left himself without testimony. And not just as God, but as a good one. As, a, as the good God, who's worthy of adoration and praise. No one then, as Romans says, and as our confession says in response, is without excuse. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament declares or shows forth his handiwork. We're not called then to live like, oh, like deists who think that, that God is far removed from his creation, like a man who winds the clock that he has and, and, and has made and lets it run in ignorance and in indifference. We're getting to a point now that sometimes you don't know if people know what it is to, like our boys and girls even know what it is to wind a clock anymore. But, but that's, that's how some look at God. He sets it all in, in motion and then he goes away. And we're not pantheists. We're not people who believe in many gods. Or at least, we hope not. We're called to believe that the entire creation is God one way or the other. And that's why you're supposed to respect everything because everything is somehow deified. Nor can we hold with assurance that there is no God at all the testimony of the creator, preserver, and governor of all the creation is all around. And contrary to popular living, not everything is, is heading then towards this chaotic, down this chaotic, raging river of chance and blind fate with a cataclysmic end to it all for nothing. That's not how it goes. And who really wants to live and believe those sort of things anyway? Better for us to see the good God who made the heavens and the earth and sea and everything in them who has not left us without testimony about his greatness and his goodness. And as the one who, when it comes to the testimony, has been the one who has provided and who has preserved. Better to see this one who has all things in his hand because... This isn't the devil's world. And it's not fate's world. It's not chance's world. It's not the world's world. It's my father's world. 
Everything then is governed and it's led. Not by happenstance. Not, to, not by saying that, you know, it just happened to be that. It's not by chance. But by that God. All things are working together for good because of that good God. Governs everything. And governs well. All things are working together for good to those who love him in Christ Jesus, who are called according to his purposes. That, that is certainly the better way for us to look at the world, which testifies to the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. But unless the world is explained in the context of the apostolic word of God and his gospel, like Paul and Barnabas were preaching, that we hear at the beginning of our passage, that we hear in the middle of our passage, that we hear at the end of our passage, that that's what they were doing, that world is certainly not going to be understood right at all. After all, when Paul did the wonders that he did in the name of Jesus Christ, the people didn't understand those wonders the signs that he performed. Because perish the thought, they were not pointing to Paul and Barnabas. They were pointing to the one who made all things and who has great things in store for his people when there won't be any more of the maladies that Paul and Barnabas are facing here in Lystra. But the people didn't understand that. And they wouldn't understand that without an explanation from the word of the Lord. It kind of reminds you of what you read earlier uh, when Philip sees the Ethiopian eunuch and he's looking at the word and he asks the Ethiopian eunuch, do you understand what you read? How can I unless somebody explains it to me? He needs the word ministered to him. These people needed the word ministered to them. They receive an explanation then from the apostolic word of the Lord. These wonders need an explanation by the word. And you know that's true, right? With our, our sacraments as well. Because otherwise we get caught up in superstition. That's what happened with these people. They drew the wrong conclusions. And they needed the word to explain it. It's, it's true about the sacraments that we of which we partake. Because without the word, the sacraments are misunderstood. And it's true as well with the entire world. We need the word of God to explain the world of God. As clear as the testimony of the word world is about the goodness of God, we still need the word to help us see it right with the blessing of God's grace. And so the, the apostle needed to clarify to these people at Lystra that he and Barnabas we're not gods. Lystra was not supposed to draw the conclusions like they did that the gods have come down to us in human form. They're making Paul and Barnabas God in, gods incarnate. They're making false Christs. Right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it was this one who came to dwell among us. The Word 
came to dwell among us. There's one God incarnate, and that's Jesus Christ. What they needed was an explanation, though, an explanation that there was, there was but one God and not a multitude of Christs. There's one God, there's one Christ, and there's not many that there's only one who is to be worshipped. The good news is not that Paul and Barnabas have come down from heaven. The good news is that Jesus Christ, that the Son of God has come down from heaven, only to be taken up again in glory. That there was a God about whom the whole world testified. But they'd need the revealing word of the Lord coupled with the illuminating spirit to understand this. They had come to preach, like they said, the good news. And the reason, of course, why people do not understand that the whole world is testifying to that good God of the world and of the word who's created all things is not because of intellectual deficiency. Because there's a lot of bright people out in the world who don't believe in Christ. Who don't believe that God created the world and that in Christ we find new creations ourselves when we believe in Him. The reason that people don't understand this broader revelation and this general revelation is because of their dark sinful hearts. And that's it. They, they can't, that's what we heard this morning too, right? The futility of their minds. The darkness in which they find themselves spiritually. They come up with all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't believe in God, but it still comes down to a spiritual problem. Not merely an intellectual one. New hearts are needed, new ears, new eyes to receive, hear, and see what is offering. God's means of grace to that end is his word. And he couples that with his spirit so that the world of God can be seen through the word of God. And that you can draw the right conclusions and not the wrong ones. And so that people will say, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But of course, that confession of who our Creator is, in order to make that confession, we first need to be recreated, don't we? To make the confession about our Creator, we first need to be recreated. We need new birth, we need new hearts, we need ears to hear, eyes to see, we need new life in Jesus Christ, and that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ provides. And in these ways, the word of the Lord displays then, we get into that second point here, a measure of superiority to the creation when it comes to revelation. Because while creation displays who the creator is, it's the word of the Lord who testifies who the Savior is. And the way in which the saved must live in light of that salvation. We see, we want the world opened up to us through the word, but we first got to open up the word, don't we? We see the world through the word. Without the word, we won't see the world as we ought. 
Without the light of the word, we cannot be saved from our darkness. Watching the world isn't going to teach us what the word teaches us about what ought to be in our daily living. The word, like John Calvin stated, are the spectacles by which we see God's world rightly. You know, and that's why we promote, don't we, God-centered schooling. That's why when we have a classes meeting, every time we have a classes meeting, we have to answer these questions. Article, we call them Article 26 questions out of the church order. And one of the things that gets asked in there so that we can have that credential in order is that we have to give an account of ourselves as elders whether or not we promote God-centered schooling. That's what we have to do. It's a responsibility. And uh, so, if, if you wonder why there's a, a Christian school movement, here's, here's, here's the reason why. Right? It's confessionally and biblically before us, for, because in order to truly examine the world rightly, as God intended, you, you need to know that God created it. And, and you need to know that God who created it is also the one who saved you so that you can see it rightly. And so it just makes sense to examine the world with the acknowledgement and from the perspective of the one who created it in the first place. You, you need to acknowledge the one who made it to start. And, and that's, you know, that's what's behind, that's what that's why Christian education is, is promoted. That's why we we end up giving so many donations to that idea. Of course, the confession of the superior revelation of Scripture is vital for the Christian confession. Historically, there have been really two perverted poles of thought about God's revelation. Right? We always we've talked about that before on uh, the reform in the sphere of the Reformation. We try to keep balance, but this is one of the places where we seek to do it. You know, at one pole is a is a Romanist view. The Roman the Roman Church would say that uh, it elevates the church over the world, or excuse me, church over the word. And at the other pole, you've got the individualistic view of of experience and and personal and private revelation uh, over against the word at times. This is what God has shown me. This is what God wants me to do. I have this pipeline to God. On the one hand, corporately, we're, we put a judgment on the word. On the other side, we're being individualistic and we're saying, yeah, we have our own private revelations and that's, that's how I go about my life. I, I just feel my way through because God's working with me by feel. While corporate and official confessions of the word in the church are, are, are valuable, we have them. And individual, like we talk about, the illumination of the Holy Spirit to the word is essential. That's why we pray for it. Neither of those are confessed by the church as means of revelation. We're not praying that the Lord will inspire you with, the, with a word, but that he will illumine you in accordance with the word. 
And we don't believe that our confessions are on par with the word, but they're subservient and a response to the word. The church can't trump the word, nor can personal experience. It's the word that we need. It's, it's the word that's sufficient. It's the word that's clear about what salvation is all about and how we ought to live. And we look at that more elaborately in Articles 3 through 7 of the Belgian Confession. The word shows forth its superiority to us that way as well. When we make that confession rightly and truly, then we avoid the extremes again in a balanced way of, on the one hand, what we might call corporate dogmatism, where we say we're going to see to it that corporately we, we decide what the Word of God is, and we avoid this other side of individualistic experientialism, where we just say, yeah, God spoke to me. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the Word says. I know what I feel. We avoid both of those extremes, both of which seek to deny the sufficiency, the necessity, and the authority of God's Word to explain the world like it happened here back in Acts 14. It proclaims salvation. It declares the path down which we must walk in light of that salvation unto God's glory. In the times of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, the Word was needed to testify clearly to people. <laughs> and even so, people still wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas. And then they get persuaded by other people who show up to them, not the word of God, and then they flip it. And, and it, it, in one way it's not funny, but in a way it's humorous because on the one hand they want to adore them like they're gods, and the next minute they're trying to stone them like men. Well, in the days of Guido de Bray, the church sought to make things clear to the world too. That's why they wrote the Belgian Confession. Through the Word. And what does Guido de Bray get for it? At the age of 47. Some of you are in that age range, you know? I, I think that's... Now, if you're younger, you think 47 is kind of old, but where I'm standing, that's pretty young. And at the age of 47, he gets hung for writing things like this. And he leaves his wife and his children behind. The good old days, those weren't good old days. And today, as well, people need to know what the truth of things are through the Word. And not everybody appreciates that. Any more than the true testimony of Creation is appreciated. So what can be done in those kind of times? Well, we can continue to pray that the Lord's grace will soften hearts like he obviously, they obviously did here. There was certainly rejection and, and repulsion, but there was also those who came to know the Lord. We can continue to proclaim the word as means by which 
that grace does soften hearts, and, and we can pray and praise and, and live in thankfulness that by God's word that we can come to grips with the idea that we've been saved to see God's world through God's word. By way of the very gospel of Jesus Christ that the apostles preached long ago. So that we could live for his glory. And, and when we see ourselves like that, we have reason to be grateful to God that we see things that way. I mean, that's why you're here tonight, right? What a blessing to have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive such a salvation and such a vision. Such a breadth of vision. Because it allows you to see in Jesus Christ your salvation to be sure. But it also allows you to see in Jesus Christ God's world from God's word God's way. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that good news for you? Amen. Let's take a moment to, to, play, uh, to pray to our God. Father, again, your gospel opens our minds. It, it opens our world to see it as yours. To see it rightly. Oh, grant us, Lord, continued wisdom to see your world in accordance with your word. And to see it, Father, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For in order for us to, to see your creation, to see you as creator, we first, of course, need to know that we are recreated by the saving work of Jesus Christ, who is also Lord of all. Thank you, Father, for the revelation of yourself through the world and through the word. We pray that you'd hear us in Christ's name.